So are you all ready? We're in that period where we remember the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. Between the Passover weekend, you know, Easter weekend, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday when Jesus rose again, and then he began to appear over a period of 40 days before the day of Pentecost. So he appeared for 40 days, then there was a period of 10 days, making it 50 days to the baptism of the Holy Spirit outpouring on the day of Pentecost. We looked at it, you know, past years, the significance of the 40. Why the 40 days? It's interesting that Jesus began his ministry with 40 days in the wilderness. He ended his ministry with 40 days on earth. And one was preparation for him. The other was preparation for us. Is that okay? And so that 40 was significant because 40 speaks of a generation. And um, one of the things that happened with Jesus coming he began a whole new dispensation, a whole new era. He was giving birth to a new generation. It's amazing that Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, and who will speak of his generation, his children? But Jesus was never married. So what generation would it be? Well, we are the generation of Jesus Christ. Amen. We are his offspring. We are his children. And so the Bible says he will see the travail, and that's a birthing connotation, the travail of his soul, and be satisfied. So through his sufferings, his travailing, that birthing thing, he saw us, and he was satisfied with the travail that he went through when he gave birth to us. Isn't that awesome? And so very, very powerful. So that's what we want to look at. So very often, the number 40 represents not only a generation, but a time of testing, but not only that, it's a time of probation, but not only that, a time of provision, of prosperity, and preparation for a new era. Amen? So provision for prosperity. Now, the reason why I'm saying these things, because as your pastor and, and having a prophetic ministry, what I'm saying to you is that we are entering a time where there's preparation for a new era for us as a church. I want you to hear me, okay? So I'm talking about something that is historic, I'm talking about something that happened just over 2,000 years ago, that when Jesus rose for a period of 40 days, he appeared to many, many, many people. Okay, we'll read the verse now. And what I want to do is to show you that the, one of the reasons why Jesus did it was to prove that he was alive. Yeah. Is that okay? But he is still continuing to prove that he is alive. Amen. You are proof that he is alive, very much alive. Amen? And so there are things that he wants to do that I believe in this, this particular time ahead is that he wants to continue to prove and show and convince us of the fact that he's alive. The Bible tells us that Jesus appeared at least 10 times over those 40 days after that he rose from the dead to different numbers of people. At least 10 times. Where he was in between, what he did in between, we don't know. My guess is that he could appear and then he could disappear. He could be with the Father and then he could be with the disciples in his glorified body. That's the incredible thing about it. The amazing thing is that the implication by a few references tells us that whenever Jesus appeared, he appeared in a body that was physical because he could eat. Twice it says he ate with them. So he could eat, but that body bore the nail marks and the scars of the crucifixion. And so that in itself tells us that as the crucified Christ, now the resurrected Christ, he continues to operate 
in the terms, in the ministry, in the outcome of what he accomplished on the cross. Because he bears those marks. And I think that is something that we need to take note of. Amen? So we're going to go to Acts chapter 1. And I'm going to read a few verses from verse 1. I'll be in the NIV. And this is Luke writing. Because Luke wrote the book of Acts as well as his own book, Luke. And it says, in my former book, and he's writing to a man by the name of Theophilus. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began. Everyone say began. He began to do and to teach. Now, why did he just begin? Well, because we've got to finish it. So we must finish what he began to do and to teach. So tell the person next to you, you've got to continue. Okay? You've got to continue what he began. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So number one, he gave instructions through the Holy Spirit to his apostles. All right, so that's number one. He gave instructions through the Holy Spirit to his apostles. He gave instructions. Now, all of these I want you to log into your mind. If you're not writing, I want you to log it into your mind because we're going to prepare ourselves for the day of Pentecost, which is week after next on Pentecost Sunday. But um, it says that he gave instructions. After his suffering, listen to this, he presented himself to them. In other words, he appeared to them. Everyone say he appeared to them. So he gave instructions. He appeared. Let's put it in terminology maybe that we're more familiar with. He manifested himself to them. Is that okay? And number three, thirdly, he gave many convincing proofs, many convincing proofs that he was alive. Then he appeared, it says, to them over a period of 40 days. And the next thing he did was he spoke about the kingdom of God. Of God. Everyone say, spoke about the kingdom. Now, listen to this. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, so his glorified body could appear, disappear, and um, he could eat. I I think that's good news, isn't it? So, in our glorified state, we will still be able to eat. Hallelujah. It's really awesome. So, I'm already praying for the kitchen staff. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And then on one occasion, he says this, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised, which you have heard about me. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This was in his resurrected, glorified body that he gave this instruction. He was saying, wait for the promise of the Father. You're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but, but you will receive power. And that was actually his answer to the disciples. You will receive power. You'll receive authority when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So I'm putting my words in. Are you all listening? Thereby, you will be establishing the kingdom. Is that okay? Thereby, you will be establishing the kingdom. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They looked intently up in the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men, two men, I'm amazed, I'm amazed how many pastors still, they read that where it says two men, and then they will still say in their sermons, two angels. It was two men, not two angels, two men. Who were the two men? Moses and Elijah. The same two appeared with him at the transfiguration. Okay, good. Okay, that revelation was already worth the offering you gave. All right. 
he says, two men and dressed in white stood beside the men of Galilee. They said, why do you stand looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him going into heaven. In short, in other words, he went from visible to invisible. He's going to come back from the invisible to visible. Okay, easy. All right. So now we're going to look at some of the appearances because I want to share with you what I believe is on God's heart. As I came up to pray yesterday and spent time here in the church, I really felt that this was something that the Lord wanted us to prepare ourselves for. So three primary things Jesus did in the 40 days. He gave instructions through the Holy Spirit, and he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs. He appeared to them, and he spoke to them about the things of the kingdom. And the other amazing thing was he gave infallible proof. Infallible proof. I am almost persuaded, almost persuaded that Jesus did some of the most outstanding, phenomenal miracles in that period of time. I'm almost persuaded, and I'll show you why right at the end. So are you ready? So let's look, first of all, at who Jesus appeared to. And then we will look to see what he said and did. But before we do that, I want to just read a few verses from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 8. Listen to this, NIV. This is the great chapter on the resurrection body, where Paul defends the resurrection the bodily resurrection of believers from the dead. And very powerfully, he says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared. Now, before he goes into the theology of it, he basically now gives us credible witnesses who actually saw him post-crucifixion, okay? And he says, he says of the scriptures, and he was buried, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. Now, some translations, they will say that he appeared just the verse before verse 5, and then he appeared to Peter. Like, for example, the NIV says Peter. And it's traditionally preached that he first appeared to Peter. Okay? But the King James says to Cephas and then to the twelve. All right, so let's proceed. And then he goes on to say, After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. Uh, not now, of course. That was at the time Luke wrote. And uh, though some have fallen asleep. Then he says... Then he appeared to James, and I believe that was James, the Lord's brother, his own brother, who is the, the James of the apostle James in the Bible. Then to all the apostles, and last of all, but this was not during the 40 days, this was after that, possibly on the road to Damascus, where Paul says, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. And I think that that was a glorified body appearance of Jesus, the same as the other apostles saw. Is that okay? Which made him then a witness of Jesus Christ. So let's have a look. The first one that we see, the first person, I always used to think that he appeared to Peter first, but he didn't. If we look at the scriptures, Mark 16, verses 9 to 14, it says, When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first 
to Mary Magdalene. Isn't that unbelievable? How amazing. Listen to what the Bible says. Out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who was mourning and weeping. Incidentally, if you read, she was the first one to run to the tomb. She was one of the first, her and another Mary, not the mother of Jesus, Mary. I don't know why she didn't go. But she went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterwards, Jesus appeared in a different form. Everyone say a different form, different form, to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest. But they did not believe them either. This was Cleopas and another disciple on the road to Emmaus, Luke 24. Later, Jesus appeared to the 11. The 11, because Judas had committed suicide. As they were eating, he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. But he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. Now, the story of Mary Magdalene, she's introduced in Luke chapter 8 as Mary Magdalene, whom he had cast out seven demons. In Luke chapter 7, there's the story of another woman who came and anointed Jesus in the house of Simon and wept over and anointed and washed his feet. But some believe that was Mary Magdalene, but the Bible doesn't say that. In fact, a lot of scholars believe it's two different people, but then Mary is introduced. But I want to just connect the two Marys for this point, because when Simon looked at Jesus and he said, You know, if he was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman was touching his feet, implicating that she was, you know, of loose morals. And here she was weeping. And then Jesus told this little parable, and then he turned it on to Simon, and he said, you know what? The one who's forgiven much loves much. So here's our application. This is the way the Lord gave it. I really believe, I'm convinced, that as we press into God, as we use this particular time of Pentecost, and as a time of preparation, you know, for the following week, Sunday, when it's Pentecost Sunday, I think it's Sunday the 29th, I think it is Sunday the 29th, something like that. But Pentecost Sunday, when we get together, why don't we use this time as a preparation to seek God? Why don't we align ourselves historically with what was happening at that time because it was a period of preparation, the birth of something new that God was doing in people's hearts. And let's get ourselves ready. And this is what I felt, that he appeared to Cleopas and the other disciple, the Bible says, in a different form because he didn't appear in his glorified body. Otherwise, they would have recognized him. He just came up and walked next to them, and they said, well, you know, why are you so down, and what are you talking about? And they said, didn't you hear? You know, you're probably the only person in Jerusalem that hasn't heard about this powerful prophet that was crucified. And it was only when Jesus began to speak to them, and he opened the scriptures, and they said, did not our hearts burn within us while he spoke? And so I really feel, I really feel that because of our love, we need to press into God. Listen, God responds to those that love him. Is that okay? To the one who's forgiven much, you know, to one they will love much. And I think this is a time for us to realize the great debt that we were forgiven of. We might not have been physically prostituting, but spiritually we had prostituted ourselves with the world. We were no better than that Mary or Mary Magdalene for that matter. But we've been forgiven a great debt of sin. 
Why don't we use this time in a different form? He might not appear to you in a glorified body, but he certainly will somehow manifest himself to you as we draw close to him and seek him. Amen? I was here yesterday afternoon, and I came and sat here, and I knelt here by the stage, and I just said, Lord, I want to seek you in a fresh way. I need a fresh touch from God. So I shared some of those things that happened in Zimbabwe and some of the other things that are unfolding. But you know what? I was so satisfied. I was so blessed. I was so edified. I was talking to Marietta on Friday. I was just doing a follow-up phone call, and she said, you sound so inspired. I said, I am. I am. And everything I'm talking about, I'm just bragging in the goodness of God. But you know, when I was coming back, there was just this great hunger in my heart because I was just saying to the Lord, it's glorious, but I want to just see so much more. Amen. And so it brought a holy dissatisfaction in me. And I just said, Lord, there were other people in that meeting, I'm sure, who were sick. And I want to see them healed. I don't want to see one out of 10 healed. I want to see 10 out of 10 healed. I was telling the prayer meeting yesterday morning in Jack Coe's ministry. I mean, he's the guy that used to, on a high stage, pray for people in a wheelchair. And once he'd prayed for them, he'd run with them in the wheelchair, and then he'd stop at the end of the stage and tip it. And then they would go flying through the end, land on their feet healed. I mean, it's amazing. This is Jack Coe. You know, at one of his meetings, 70 ambulances came with 70 terminal patients with nursing staff, you know, EMT staff. They lined up 70 ambulances outside the tent that when the service was over, he would just go and lay his hands on them. 69 out of the 70 got out of the ambulances completely healed. Come on, church. Yeah, give God a hand, man. Yeah, that's, you know, for me. It's like, I just came back and I just said, Lord, we've got to have more. We're celebrating Pentecost. We're celebrating the time, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Yowza, Lord, I'm sick and tired of people being sick in our services and going out unhealed and and things like that. Um, I don't know where Monday is this morning, but we had a phenomenal time on Thursday morning. J.D., when I arrived at the office, J.D. was, you know, like the, the springbok. They call it pronking. Bring, bring, bring. When I arrived at the office Thursday morning, J.D. was pronking. Bring, bring. He said, I just saw an awesome miracle. And what happened, Monday came and was telling him about Harry. You know, Harry was assaulted and they broke his leg. The doctor said this leg will probably be shorter than that leg because of the nature of the break. And he said he's in so much pain, he's struggling. And uh, J.D. said, well, let's go and pray for him. So he took Monday down to the house, prayed, and she said, the power of God hit Harry. And um, he said it was like something cold hit the top of his hip and ran down his leg. And he was running around, jumping around without his crutch. And then J.D. said, sit down. And he said, three-finger difference between the left and the right leg. And he said, Monday, watch what God does. And the leg grew. They were crying, they were weeping. I mean, Monday came, and I mean, it was just snot and trying. She was going around (laughs) telling us all, you know, about this awesome testimony, you know. And, you know, he's been sitting here in the services. You know, it's time that we see more people healed. Amen. 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 Is that right? I mean, I was with Prophet Kerbis, and he has a man, you know, neck injured badly in an accident. You know, and he's got the halo, and he's got the thing here, and he's got nuts and bolts. Prophet Kerbis prays for him. He says, you believe I'm a man of God? He says, yes. Yes, I do. And he says to someone, "Get go and get Allen keys. And then he undoes everything, you know. And the guy's healed. I mean, he's healed. You know, I just went, Jesus, you're going to have to do something more. With me, for me to do that, but it's coming. Amen? Amen? I mean, I saw a guy with, you know, bags on him and like this and pipes coming out of his side. And he came to a meeting. And Prophet was prayed for him, took the bag off, and then he tied the pipe up. 
It was coming out. Tied the pipe and says, okay, you can go home. You're healed. I'm going like, Jesus, I'm going to do that. Woo! Hallelujah. Come on, church. And it's not just for me. It's for us. But he will come to those who love him, who realize how much they've been forgiven. Hallelujah. The second person, the two people, one was Cleopas on the way to Emmaus. And I already told you the story when Jesus walks up and says, what are you discussing together as you walk? And then they said, haven't you heard about the things? And he says, what things? And then they begin to explain the crucifixion. And then he says, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And listen to this. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. I said to the Lord once when I read that, I said, yeah, I'm going to study the Old Testament because I want to put together a sermon like that one day. So let me just show you from the Old Testament kind of maybe what Jesus taught the disciples. Yeah, wouldn't that be awesome, eh? I mean, it's a lot, you know. In those days, they used to walk everywhere, not drive. So they probably had a couple of hours. So maybe one day we'll just take a walk somewhere. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained in all the scriptures concerning himself. And they approached the village to which they were going. Jesus continued on as if he was going further. Now, this part I want you to really hear. So Jesus walked this journey with them, explains everything to them. They turn to go into the village. Jesus keeps going. Didn't assume anything. Jesus does not invade on you. Jesus does not force himself on you. Jesus comes to those who want him to come. He will appear to you, manifest himself to you, if that is what you want. It will not happen automatically. You won't be sitting, you know, daydreaming about something else, desiring other things, and then Jesus will suddenly come and say, gee, sorry to interrupt your desire for, you know, a new fishing rod or another gun or, you know, a new car or a better promotion. He's not going to do that. He's going to come to those who are desiring him, who invite him. Is that okay? And so they urged him strongly. Everyone say, urged him strongly. By the way, I'm not picking on anyone. I'm buying a new fishing rod. Okay. I was talking about myself. All right. Seriously. I thought this would be the way I let Bev know because then she can't. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. So if you... If you want to go and buy something that you want, just let your wives know in a spiritual way. Okay. So, but they urged him. They urged him strongly. And they said, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. Woo! For how long? I don't know. Did he sleep in a bed? I don't know. But he went to go and stay with them. Isn't that amazing? You know, did he sit on a chair? You know, did it make an impression on the chair? Yeah, it must have. He had a body. You know, incredible. And then it says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread. So it's another occasion that he ate. He gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And when they recognized him, he disappeared from their sight. Yeah. I mean, what a powerful thing. Then they said, yes, we're not our hearts burning Come on, if we will get into the Word and just hunger for the Word, if we will just 
you know, it's one of the things that I love about you is that you just love the word. And even after the service is over, there are those who stand around and we talk the word. Even on Saturday morning, we talk the word because we want to know more about him. And so Jesus explained himself. Listen, one of the ways that Jesus may appear to you, and one of the ways he may reveal himself to you, one of the ways he may manifest himself to you, as you are searching the scriptures to understand more about him. So I'm giving you different options in the way that I believe in the next weeks that the Lord wants to encounter you, the Lord wants to come to you, the Lord wants to touch you, the Lord wants to reconfirm something, reaffirm something, relaunch something in your life. We're in an amazing time, amen? And so we need to get ready for this. Is that all right? The next one, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 5. And this is something that I discovered with Andre. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5. It says that he appeared, Jesus appeared to Cephas in some translations. In other translations, they assume that that was Peter. Remember, Peter, in Matthew 16, Jesus renamed him. You remember that? Because look, it says, and then he appeared to Peter, and then to the 12, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 5. So the 12 then would be the 12 apostles, because remember they appointed, I think it was Matthias, okay? And so he appeared to Peter, then to the 12. But it already tells us in another place that he had appeared to Peter. So why does Paul remind us? The word Peter is very close, because remember he was called Simon, and then Jesus surnamed him, the Bible says, and gave him the new name Peter. He said Cephas, that's the Greek. The Hebrew root word is kepha. K-E-F-A, kepha. And whenever you translate from Hebrew to Greek, you end it with an E-S or A-S. That's why in Matthew 16, when it says, for example, in the King James, that Jesus gave him the name Cephas because he said, you're a rock. Okay? It's a little rock, but on this rock, the rock of the revelation, I will build my church. But I want to tell you that that year, that Jesus died, there was actually two priests. There was a double priesthood, Caiaphas and Annas. And it was before Caiaphas that Jesus stood. Caiaphas was the one that actually laid the charge. Caiaphas was the one who tore his robes, you know, when he heard Jesus say, what if I tell you, and he quoted from Daniel chapter 7, you see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And Caiaphas knew Jesus was saying, that's me, the Son of Man. The Son of Man would be the Son of God, which would make Jesus equal to God. That's why Caiaphas said, this is blasphemy. What more do we need to hear? And he tore his robes. You know, in the act of tearing his robes, Caiaphas disqualified himself from the priesthood because the high priest was not allowed, even for mourning or anything, to tear his robes. So he absolutely disqualified himself. So when Jesus came and renamed Peter Cephas, it's the same Hebrew word Kepha, which is the same origin of Caiaphas. It was also Kepha. And so what Jesus was saying when he appointed Peter, and he said, on this rock he will build my church, he's saying, I'm appointing you as the new high priest of the new church. Amen. Amen. So, so listen, so listen. So these are scholars who are studying Hebrew, and they say here, when it says that he was seen of Cephas, it was not Peter, it was actually Caiaphas, the high priest. That somewhere in the crucifixion incidents, in the resurrection incidents, Caiaphas came to believe. And being the head and the authority over the nation, because Jesus, even though he criticized and respected authority, it seems possible that even Caiaphas got born again 
somewhere believed. And Jesus went and appeared to him first and probably revealed how he's now the great high priest himself. I mean, isn't that awesome? So listen, I want to tell you that I really believe that in the next time as we seek the Lord, God is just going to confirm people in their faith. God's going to confirm people in their destiny. God's going to confirm something to you. But we need to, as those that love him, seek him. Point number four, of course, was Peter. So he appears to Peter, tells us in the Gospels. And it was around the time of the Emmaus Road thing, because when they came back, they said, yes, he has appeared, and he's appeared to Peter as well. But he had already appeared to Peter in John 21. We know that Peter had betrayed Jesus three times, even after promising, Lord, even if they all leave you, I will never leave you. Now, we've made promises, haven't we? And uh, promises, I will serve you. You know, God's blessed us. God, I'll, I will give. I will serve. I'll sow. I'll do whatever. Isn't it amazing? how quick we are reneging on our promises when things get tough. But I believe that as we draw into the Lord in this particular period, if we will take this as a prophetic message, align ourselves to a time of preparation that runs parallel with what happened 2,000 years ago, and say, God, for this next two weeks, I'm just going to really seek you because I love you. I'm going to seek you in the word. I'm going to seek your presence. I'm going to press in in the worship. I'm going to put my own worship on, and I'm going to just spend time with you. I believe God wants to reveal himself. Christ wants to manifest. Christ wants to appear. And you know, one of the things that God is so good at, Jesus is so good at, is restoring people. Amen? And not only that, but, but just taking us to a higher place. Isn't that incredible? You know, Peter denied Jesus, but it wasn't the work of Jesus. It was actually Peter's own weaknesses, but it was a definite assault of the enemy. Because Jesus said, Satan has sought to sift all of you like wheat, but Peter, I've prayed for you. That was pre-resurrection. Post-resurrection, they go fishing because they don't know what else to do. There were seven of them. You know, if in doubt, go fishing. It's really awesome. You may get a revelation of Jesus. Uh, You know, that's why Ian and I fish so much, you know. But they went because they were down, because they were depressed. They didn't know what else to do. We were walking with the Messiah for three and a half years. Now he's gone. Now what do we do? So they go off fishing, and then Jesus appears. Isn't it incredible how Jesus demonstrates his omniscience in that occasion? Because he says, just throw the net on the other side. Yeah, but we've been fishing all night. No, just throw it on the other side. 153 fish they catch. Trust Peter to count them. He's a fisherman. I caught 153 fish, and they were all those big, you know? And so he caught 153 fish and came on shore. Jesus had caught his own fish because he was cooking fish for breakfast. They eat together. And then Jesus reinstates Peter. He doesn't judge him. He doesn't condemn him. He reinstates him because the whole thing about Jesus is not judgment. It's restoration. Isn't that right? And so there's people that may feel like I really disappointed God. You know, I've I've just let him down for whatever reason. And I believe in these next few times, maybe there'll be a manifestation. Maybe there'll be an appearance. Maybe there'll be however it is that he encounters. Maybe it'll be a revelation of, you know, yes, I blew it, but this is my destiny. Because then Jesus said, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. It hurt Peter, but Jesus wasn't saying it to hurt him. Jesus was saying, this is your purpose. This is your destiny. This is what you've got to do. This is what I've called you to, and the enemy tried to subvert it. I think we're in an exciting time. So 
I want us to be prepared. And, and uh, I'm going to just tell you this quickly. While I was writing the prophetic manual, you know I'm busy with that book. I'm writing this book. I'm going to take late in the year. I'm going to take a couple of weeks just to go and be aside and just try and finish that book. I'm getting so many pastors who are saying, please, we want that book. We want that book. When I share a little bit with them about the end times, the way that I see it, they say, we want that book and, and I want an autographed copy. So this is, we're at the point now where I'm going to apply the message. Is that okay? Yes. All right. I think it was seven, eight weeks that I wrote the prophetic manual. And when I finished, I came home the one day and um, I showed Bev and she said, yeah, that's just about a book. And I said, exactly right. I said, just a little bit more work. Won't be a lot. And this will be a, another book. And it's, it could possibly precede the other one that I'm writing. I'm about halfway through. So I was in Zim's Wednesday night. Minister, Thursday morning, I, I wake up and there's a, a WhatsApp. And it says, Mura um Prophet. And it's from a young man that I haven't seen for years. Um, as far as I know, he had walked away from God. I bumped into him a little while ago, and he was so shocked when I walked in in a restaurant. And he said, no, no, no. And he's been trying to get to come and see me in the meantime. But it seems like something's happening, but he's, he's got a very strong prophetic gift. He said, I had a dream. I, I couldn't read it the Thursday morning. I read it Thursday night. And he said, I, he said, I had a dream 3 o'clock this morning. He said, but it was very vivid. It was like a vision. And um, he said, I saw that. I was walking up to a place, and you were there with Prophet Kerbis. And he said, you and Prophet Kerbis in deep conversation. And as I got close, Prophet Kerbis took his watch off, and he gave it to you. And he said, it's your time, brother. And he said, and there was a little bit of conversation that followed. I'm just shortening it. He says, and then from there, he said, Prophet Kerbis left. And then you and I went together to a place where, he says, it looks like a place where you would pray. And uh, he described the place, and he said, and, and he said, and I watched you, and you were praying, and he said, and it was like music notes appeared in the air, and he said, and, and he said, you reached up and you began to grab the music notes, and when you grabbed the music notes and brought them down, they turned into words, and you took the words and then you began to write them, and he says, and the writing turned into uh, into books, and I saw that the books you wrote, you put them into a series, and you called the series the truth. And he said, and I saw you write a book about healing, about forgiveness, about the prophetic, about, and he began to mention other books. And he says, and there were many books that followed. And he says, and then I woke up and I felt that I had to send you this message urgently. I've got it. But it's part of the reason why I'm so stirred because Prophet Quibbers did give me a watch. He did tell me it was time. Yeah. And um, so it's like the Lord reminding me of what is, and listen, if it's for me, it's for us, you know. So reminding of me of, of what is for us and what is happening. So again, you know, Pastor Ken, Apostle Ken, a great man of God. The pastors there, Victory Fellowship, great church, great church. You know, and Corsi, um, and Maureen said to me this morning, so everybody in Bologna knows you now. But um, the connection is just so amazing. And Apostle Ken said it to me again when we were sitting alone. He said, this relationship is of God. I want you to know this relationship is of God. And God has formed us. And he said, I'm pointing all the pastors to you. And he says, not that I have to force them. He said, they don't want any other pastor to come. They get pastors from America and different places in Canada. But they, don't want, they, say they only want a relationship with you from now on. So I'm pointing this church to you. And so, you know, all of these things, when I look at it, they said, let us know when your conferences are because groups of our pastors will be coming down. 
So all of these things are happening, and, and I'm realizing that we're entering another time, another period, another area. All of us. It includes us. It, you know, I'm representative of that. And so we need to be preparing ourselves and because of this era, because of this thing. But we need to press in as those who love him, number one, as those who desire more of him by means of getting more into his word, drawing closer, even in church, your involvement in church. You're just pressing into God and say, Lord, I've, got to, I've just got to have more of you. I need more of your presence. I need to know you better. And he will appear. You know, he will come. He appeared to me, and it was more than a trance. I think it was what John experienced in the book of Revelations, caught up in 94 in uh, Toronto. In 1987, he appeared to me. I saw him in uh, later years ministering in the United Kingdom where I was ministering in a meeting, and he appeared, and I could see him, and he was pouring out oil, and I ran under the oil. I mean, I saw him with my eyes open. Nobody else could see him. I could see him, and the oil just hit me. I was sitting here. One time where Susanna's sitting when Jared Cooper was preaching and the presence, the glory, the power of God was so present and I just knelt with my arms on my knees and I just said, Jesus, I'm just overdue for an encounter. I was so hungry for him and suddenly I experienced this overwhelming presence of Jesus and I was like, I recognize this. This is like Toronto. This is like that day in St. Albans. This is like that day in, in and, and I, I was sitting with my Head in my hands, my eyes closed. And when I opened my eyes and I looked down, there was the same feet in sandals with the nail scars and the robe like this in front of me, sitting right there. And the power of God came on me. That morning, Jared Cooper did a prophetic action. I said to Bev afterwards, I didn't even know where I was. I didn't know where I was. I said, were guys in the church swinging me around in the air? What were they doing? I was so caught up. We went to lunch afterwards. I couldn't speak. I just sat there. I just couldn't. I was so overwhelmed with the presence of God and uh, sitting at the table because of that encounter with Jesus right here. Come on, church, he wants to manifest. He wants to appear. He wants to meet with you. He wants to touch you. He wants to reveal himself to you. Whatever the words are, it'll be a different form. But somehow he wants to encounter you. Amen. And for some of you, maybe it's a restoration thing. For some, it's just, you know, touching you because there's a deeper longing in your heart. Amen. So we're in times of preparation. So right where you're sitting, um, right where you're sitting, I just want you to bow your head. I just want you to begin to seek God. I want you to draw into him. I want you to just begin to speak. Maybe just start speaking in tongues in the Holy Spirit. Just start expressing, Lord Jesus, I've just got such a desire for more of you. This is a preparation time. I recognize, I respond to the fact that this, this sounds like a prophetic word to me. This is something that I need to respond to. And it's not because I have to, Lord, it's because I want to. I want to experience you, encounter you. I want to enjoy you. Lord, I just do that for me. Just begin to just seek the Lord. Maybe just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. You can think those things and you can pray at the same time. Jesus, we want you, we want you, we want you, we want you, we want you. Give me a greater hunger for your word, Lord. Give me such a desire and a longing for your presence, Jesus. Come on, just reach out to the Lord. Reach out to the Lord in your heart. 
because I'm going to be asking you to do something physical just now. I'm going to be asking you to respond. But I want you to be searching and expressing your heart to God, searching God's heart, expressing your heart toward Him and just saying, Lord, I just, I just need some more of you. I need you more, Lord. I need you more. I want just a deeper walk, a greater relation, closer. Lord, I want to walk in the power of my destiny. I've got so many prophetic words over my life and they're not entirely fulfilled. Lord, when I look at Jesus in the Gospels, I've got a long way to go. Lord, I want to see people healed, all of them, all of them, all and all were healed. Come on, He's real and it's a reality, this thing that we, we're, we're involved with, that we're dealing with, the salvation that is ours. Come on, He wants to use us so much more. Just seek God, just seek God, just seek Him, seek Him, seek Jesus. Tell Him, Lord, I want to see you. I want to experience you, even if it's just in vision. But Lord, I, want to, I need more of your presence. I need more of your touch. I need more of your power. Come on, this world is so broken. It's so messed up. With the LGBTQ plus community, with this gender thing. Yeah, we're going to reap a generation of people who are identityless. Who are so wounded internally. And I'm, I'm convinced that because of it, we're going to see new sicknesses, new diseases appear because of the sickness of the soul of mankind. We need a greater power to see people get healed. I mean, for now, you know, we need to see cancer healed, heart issues healed. We need to see broken bodies, messed up organs healed, lungs opening, structural damage. Father, we need to see these things. Lord, we want to touch human lives. Lord, it matters. It matters to you and it should matter to us. Lord, we want your heart on these things. Just say, Lord, I just, I've just got to have more of you. I've got to have more of you. You might just want to stand. Just raise your hands, however it is, whatever you want to do. And say, God, I'm here. I'm available. The next few weeks, I'm going to just press into you more. I, need, I just need so much more of you, Lord. I need more. I need I need more of you, Jesus. Just a few more minutes and we'll close. But just engage with the Lord. Allow Him to respond to you right where you are, sitting, kneeling. Maybe He wants to speak to you. Maybe He wants to tell you something, give you some instruction, some command. of you want to thank you for your response and I just know and I trust that the Lord is going to he's going to meet you he's going to respond to you he's going to manifest he's going to appear um, John Henry will sing the blessing in, in Hebrew just to bless you Adonai Vishmalah Yisadonai
shine upon you. The Lord turn his face towards you. The Lord give you his peace. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you. The Lord will respond to you. The Lord will come to you. The Lord will touch you. The Lord will speak to you. Bless you. 